Hi everyone, and welcome to Alopecia's Audacity Podcast, proudly hosted by the Canadian Alopecia Areata Foundation. I'm Sarah Teske. I'm Crystal Malcolm. And I'm Lauren Harrison. We're here to offer you a breath of fresh air from those without hair. Now listen, alopecia isn't easy, but we're going to challenge its audacity through our candid conversations, letting hair loss know that it cannot stop us from living our best life. We're here to empower, educate, and inspire you so that you leave us feeling confident knowing that you can be bald, bold, and free, not only on your own, but when you're surrounded by others. On behalf of Canadians who have been diagnosed with alopecia areata, CANAF promotes awareness, education, raises funds for research, and so much more for those affected by this autoimmune disease. You can find CANAF on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at CANAF. That is C-A-N-A-A-F. And learn more about our organization at CANAF.org. On our homepage, you can subscribe to receive our monthly emails, and we'll send you updates on our latest episodes, as well as other alopecia news and event updates. Hey everyone, welcome back. So some of you may know that you can develop alopecia areata at any age of your life. And so far on the podcast, we've only actually spoken to people who developed alopecia during childhood. So today we want to switch it up and we're bringing on a guest who developed alopecia areata in her 50s. Her name is Doreen. She's from Hamilton, Ontario, and she's a part of the CANAF community. We love her. Five years she's been living with alopecia now. And we've heard from a lot of the community, from emails, through support groups, about the distinct challenges that people in their 50s and 60s face when they've been diagnosed with alopecia at that age versus someone going through it in childhood. So we really want Doreen here to shed some light on her journey, her experiences, and maybe share some tips with some of our listeners who may be going through something similar. So thank you so much, Doreen, for being here today. We're really excited to chat with you. Thank you for the invitation. I feel honored to be here. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about your story and a little bit about yourself? So I'm down in Hamilton, as you mentioned, and I'm 60 years old now. Well, 60 and a half, because now I'm counting half ages again. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, and as you mentioned, Sarah, this my journey with this hair loss started five years ago. I didn't notice it. It was not falling in the sink. It wasn't on my pillow. It was not going down the drain. Uh, It wasn't in the hairbrush. It was actually first discovered by a hairdresser who was trimming my hair and gasped and dropped the scissors in the brush and said, oh my God, Doreen, you have this huge spot at the back of your neck that there's no hair. So that's kind of was the first thing. I went home. And then she kind of went through my hair and she said, it's actually getting thinner. And she noticed that also I was getting a receding hairline. Again, I didn't notice. My whole life, I was very blessed to have thick, healthy, beautiful hair. God gave it to me and I always gave him credit for it when people complimented me because I had many compliments in my life and I could wear it short and sassy, super long. I had it spiked. I had it blunt strangers would compliment me so the fact it started to thin and it started to recede I didn't even see it happening and I surely did not see the back of my head until that hairdresser mentioned it so that was just uh the beginning of you know quite a traumatic journey it was uh very scary and 
at the beginning of it, you know, panic for sure was the first thing I felt. And I Googled because I know how to Google. And I found this hair loss clinic over in Burlington and I got an appointment to go there. And I went there and it didn't seem warm and fuzzy and above board to me, but I listened to this person chatter on and I got this little package of stuff, but I didn't sign up. I told them I wanted to go home and sleep on it. And when I came home and researched some of their, you know, their uh, customers they had had, and I knew I wasn't going to pay $3,000 to go to this place every week and put lotions and greasy oil and go get some electronic. I just knew the answer was no. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I decided I'm going to figure this out myself. <laughs> Anyways, mm -hmm. I... One of the things they had in their treatment card was minoxidil. Mm -hmm. So I thought I'm going to go start purchasing that. And that's what I did for probably the first year. I purchased it from my pharmacist and I painted it on my spots at the front, my receding hairline, mm -hmm. praying, watching for fuzz, you know, and it's such a, as you girls know, like trying to figure it out yourself and see it and think, oh, is that a hair? Is that not a hair? Like that was weird too, but I just kept doing it saying prayers. And in the meantime, I probably had like shoulder length hair then, you know, I started using thickening shampoos. I started using mm -hmm. thickening gels. I started using um, my other hairdresser got me into some little powdered colored stuff I'd shake at the front and it would cover the receding hairline on top of boatloads of freezing hairspray so it wouldn't move I'd spend all this time in the morning getting it like ah! and then I'd head out for the day and that's when I started walking mm -hmm. around in my life with I called it a bag of tricks I had a little bag with all these little things and a hairband and a the powder and a brush and hairspray just in case and I right. did that for a long time everywhere I went I had this little bag it was like a comfort bag because now the fear was growing that if the wind blew my bags up and you could see my receding hairline it was just like this gut raunching terror I feel like your story and my story are very similar I too had a bag of tricks I also tried the I can never say the word Medoxidil, almost like ro yeah, like Rogaine. Yeah. And yeah. my experience when I tried it, because I had to order it from the States, I tried it. I didn't get hair on my head. I got hair all over my face. So my mom was like, you look like a little chipmunk. And I'm like, that's not okay. <laughs> so, you know, I totally relate. And, you know, obviously going to the physician or that clinic that you mentioned, and you didn't get that warm, fuzzy feeling. I feel like a lot of people in the alopecia community can probably relate to that because I think, I don't know, I feel like sometimes there's that dismissiveness about our hair loss where it's like, it's not life-threatening people, you're not dying here. So here's, you know, some treatment options that are extremely expensive. Are you going to sign up or not? You know, and it's kind of like they give you that do or die type of moment. And it's like, they're playing on people's emotions, I find. And I don't know if you experienced that while you were there. Um, Cause I've experienced that going to places where it's like, how do you expect me to pay for this? It's not covered under insurance. And this is obviously a traumatic experience. 
You know what I mean? So I feel like sometimes places like that do play on people's emotions. Did you feel that way? Oh, for sure. A hundred percent. And I'm, you know, I've been around the block once or two. So I knew, I just knew from researching that place that it wasn't what I was going to do. And everything else I did, all these things I mentioned, you know, I did vitamins and like I said, the thickeners and the powder and the minoxidil, all that stuff cost a fortune too. Absolutely. Everything Mm -hmm. costs so much money in this journey. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I haven't had to lose my house trying to keep this happening. You know, like it's been a very expensive experience to say the least, but you know, I have a dollar in the bank and I'm grateful I do that. I could just keep managing it somehow, you know? Mm-hmm. And I didn't go, I didn't go to my family doctor. I don't know why it took me a while to even go there and ask her about it. And, you know, she really didn't have an answer. I was surprised the two hairdressers, nobody said alopecia. And mm-hmm. as it continued to recede at the front, especially because that's where it's mostly receded. I actually self-diagnosed. I thought I had frontal fibrosia alopecia because it's okay. so far at the front and it's all missing at the back. So once I self-diagnosed, I felt pretty a little stronger. I thought, okay, you know, now I can do this. And then I started snooping around some of the things. I'm not sure when I came on, on your website, like on the CANAF, but then that opened up a whole new window. Mm-hmm. And I know I actually emailed and I talked to Sarah. She called me and we had a conversation way back. Yes. In. Yeah. And I was able to realize there's a whole community Oh my God, I got goosebumps, right? Like it was like, oh, thank God. And all the links and all the info and all the stuff and Dr. Donovan and this and that. And and then I just started to explore with a little bit more hope. But as well as being filled with hope, it also, uh, there was a lot of despair still. Because if it had been frontal fibrosia, which I found out it wasn't, you know, are my eyebrows falling off? Are my eyelashes leaving my face? I already had body hair that had fallen off too that I didn't even know till I knew. You know, Mm -hmm. it was like, oh my God, where'd that go? Where'd this go? (laughs) Very strange. And I I went on a podcast once with, uh, or you know, whatever Dr. Donovan did once. And he actually took my questions at the end. And I said to him, are my eyebrows going to leave my face? I don't know. We don't know. We can't say. If I use the medications and the injections, is that going to help? I don't know. We're not sure. We can't say. Everything I answered him was a gray answer. And I knew then I just had to keep working on my own solution. I had to do what was best for me, that I wasn't going to put everything in, in something that other women do. And hats off to everybody who tries whatever works for them. I just knew for me, I wasn't doing the medication treatments. I wasn't going to take time off work and drive all the way to the end of my city and have injections and take these drugs because I'd been on some of these meetings now with you guys and with the ones across the border. Mm -hmm. And I heard all the stories about the medications and the treatments and nobody said it works. Nobody. So what did you, so if treatments weren't your go-to, your, your thing that you relied on, what helped you take back control of your alopecia? You know, what helps you leave the house every day, go out into the world and while dealing with all this uncertainty and scariness and other feelings that alopecia bring? It's same thing. It's like so much stuff at the very beginning, as it started to get worse, I actually, my one hairdresser who, again, I'm very blessed with a lot of earth angels, right? I'm very blessed with a lot of people in my circle, in my 
you know, family that have been super supportive and helpful. And my one hairdresser said, Doreen, there's like little clip on bangs. So I ended up starting doing that, you know, and I honestly thought it was a solution. And this woman, her name's Amber, which I will say, you know, like she dyed them to match my hair and she trimmed them. So they, and it like, it actually worked. And I, for a long time, six or eight months, I thought, okay, I can do this for the rest of my life. And the hair at the back mm -hmm. of my neck, well, all it did was flip my hair differently. But when my hair was shoulder length, it actually looked kind of cute. And I did that for a long time. So that gave me courage to leave the house because nobody noticed, nobody commented. And at that point, I'd hardly told anybody. I kept a lot of this to myself. And then about six or eight months in, as she was trimming my biological hair, as I found out, that's what it's called, right? I actually have biological hair. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, she noticed that those clips from clipping it on were actually making bald spots on Bugs. my head. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And then that, that too was a new devastation, like a, just like a punch in my stomach. It's like, oh my gosh, now what do I do? You know? And that's when I went to full wigs. Yeah. So for you, it was a lot of, it was the bangs, it was the wigs, those kind of supports helped you. And then yeah. when you, um, when you came to CANF, we talked, I recommended you like the coffee and conversation support group. Did you end up going to those and like, how did that help you? I did all of that stuff. I had some of your volunteers come on Zoom with me and have face on conversations at the very beginning when this started. It was a huge blessing that I could, I have their name somewhere in my computer. You know, there was three of them I met that took their time to sit with me and have one-on-one -on -one conversations and listen to me because for sure then I was still in total despair. I was crying. I was devastated. I was full of fear. It was just like out of controlled emotions and they were so kind and so nice and listened and supported and encouraged and suggested and shared their stories. Then I started going on the coffee ones and I, like I said, I went on the ones across the border too. And I, it just opened up a whole new world of support. Oh, that's wonderful. A, a beautiful wonderful. thing. And I have some really good girlfriends now. I have some friends that we actually talk on the phone and, and hang, you know, do things like that on the side. So I, I have yes. friends in my alopecia world. <laughs> that's amazing. Yay. <laughs> it is because my, my other friends who don't experience this, they get it. They love me. They support me. But it's like anything in my life. If you're not standing in my shoe, you don't get it. So being able to know that you guys have this gorgeous community of support, no matter which way I go or what I need or who I need to talk to or cry with or share or whatever, it was like huge. Aww. You're making me emotional. I know. I'm like feeling all cleflemp right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what it is. These are tears of gratitude, right? Oh. oh. It's beautiful. Because I don't know what I would have done otherwise. Again, all my friends and my sisters and family can help and support, but not like you guys can, right? It takes yeah. someone who's been through something similar to really understand, right? Exactly. And I remember when I first spoke to you, Sarah, like you have, if I remember correctly, like you're, you've lost your hair early. Yes. And I remember on the phone that day, you saying, Oh my gosh, Dreen, I can't even imagine a 55 losing your hair, right? Like, 
-hmm. It's so different, but it's the same, right? It's still our, our look, it's our self-esteem, it's my confidence, like it ripped it all apart. It was horrible for a good year. It was just like, you know, I didn't know whether I wanted to live or die, whether I could do this or not do this, whether this was going to be manageable or not. Like it was just like such a, such a shift. It's definitely the unknowns. Like alopecia has so many unknowns because, you know, something you said, Doreen earlier was like, you know, there was nothing in your hairbrush. There was nothing on the pillow. That's the same thing with my alopecia. And I would wake up with blood all over my pillow, not to be too graphic, but I had no idea. And everywhere I turned, nobody could help me. And like you, I Googled until my heart's content and couldn't find anything, you know, and that was like 10 plus years of me not having an idea. And like you, I did shampoos, lotions, all that stuff. The only thing I never did was the injections, but it's like, unless you have that community of people that really understand when people say, oh, it's just hair, you're still beautiful with or without. It's like, they don't get it. And I know they mean well, they do mean well, but unless you're walking in my shoes, you actually don't get it because you don't know the emotional, psychological, the physical that goes with this every single day. And every time you said like the bag of tricks, I know what that's like, especially on a windy day when it's raining is the powder that I put on my forehead. Is that going to come off? Is the wind going to show my tracks? Like there's so many emotional things that we have to think about and not to mention our elevator pitches. If somebody realizes, are we wearing a hairpiece? Is that a wig? Like people don't understand. And that's why it's so important to have a community of people that get it, you know? Yeah, it's, it's been a beautiful oh. part. It's been a beautiful part of it because it also reiterated mm-hmm. me. I'm not the only one. There's a lot of women in my age and stage mm-hmm. of life. that this is, it's honestly like an epidemic. I feel like it's crazy how many women at this elder, older age of life, like are going through this. It's, I mm-hmm. don't know what it is and I don't know why. And I've learned that with many things in life. I don't care why, because it's not going backwards. I need mm-hmm. to be in solution and go forward. So I just keep trying to figure out what solution has worked for me so I can have a life and go outside. You know, the first time I went outside to put the garbage out with my wig on was like, oh, you know, crazy, terrifying, thinking everybody's looking at me, right? Just pep going to the grocery store the first time to practice in a store I'd never been in, right? You know, everywhere I can see my peripheral vision in a glass and a mirror and a thing like I, it's just like hyper vigilance, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's craziness. Right. Like oh, it yeah. never mm-hmm. actually fully goes away. It's always in the back of your mind. And that's yeah. one of the, the things that like, you know, having wigs and things to cover up is great. But at the same time, there's still those challenges that go along with that, too. And that sure. also is a learning curve. Yes. The whole thing is a learning curve and it's a very personal learning curve, you know, and I've just slowly gained confidence and courage, right? I have a lot of faith. So my faith has been a huge rock in this journey, a huge rock, as well as counseling. I went to counseling about it. Little did I know that, you know, my beautiful, gorgeous, God-given hair was a big part of my self-esteem. So Mm. doing some some, uh, therapy around it and coming to accept and realize I'm not my hair mm-hmm. was, was yes. huge, you know? 
That's so brave. And it's really admirable because I think we forget sometimes that we always have a choice that we can pay attention to different things in our lives, or we can, like you said, make the decision to work through some of that raw emotion and, and take time to process it. That's amazing. That's really empowering. Yeah. And it's, it's been hard. Of course it's been hard. And I, you know, I've shed a lot of tears and, but like I said, I have a big faith. I, I have a huge support system. Thank gosh. I journal a lot. I meditate a lot. All of these things have helped me to come out of being in this funk to just go, just getting to a place of saying, you know what, I'm just going to rock this as best I can. And my worst nightmare has yet to come true. Nobody has looked at me and said, are you wearing a wig? Nobody. And I'm amazed. You know, I am amazed because I often feel, as you girls know, if it's a little low or a little high, it looks wiggy. You know, I didn't even know mm-hmm. wiggy was a word, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, or, or some friends say, oh, good for you. Just get it on, whip it on your head and go up the door. No, no. It still takes time, right? It's a thing in the morning. I got to look at it and then look back and then get dressed and then check it again. And, you know, it's just all these things, right? Trying to just be more brave about it. And I'm grateful the friends who I know, who I spend enough time live with, they help me too. You know, they know if it stands up, it's not coming down. So they're saying, hey, George, just tuck the back, you know, like they're supporting me in that way. Because if I don't have a mirror, I don't know what's gone wonky, right? Yeah. And again, it's me not doing it alone, right? That I need these people in my life, that I can't sit here and figure it out by myself. And being on all these meetings and, and the coffee hours and stuff. You learn things and I've got great ideas and good suggestions. And it's been nice to be on a screen with people and just be able to cry and be real. That's been huge. Mm -hmm. And share how I'm feeling has been a beautiful thing to be able to do. Because some of the meetings I went on at the other place, most of them were talking about medications and treatments. And once I I chose I'm not taking that path, I stopped those meetings. I want to be with you girls who are talking about how I feel and how to move through this emotionally. So on that wavelength of working through the emotions, Doreen, do you have any advice for somebody that's finding it difficult to make connections? Because it sounds like you've really come to terms and you've gifted yourself the ability to be real with your feelings. And I know that can be a piece that helps you connect with others. I think even as for myself, I knew I had to walk through the fear. If I didn't walk through the fear of picking up the phone or snooping around and finding your community or sending that email that Sarah replied to or going on that first Zoom meeting, not knowing who was going to be there, what they were going to look like and did I look perfect and was I being judged? Like it was really just taking for me like a leap of faith. What do I have to lose? That's really what it how it started right because I knew how I was feeling and being at home in my closed house because that was in COVID eh? most of this most of my flip and my journey and my how it all kind of came about even to me wearing a wig all happened in COVID which was also a blessing but I knew how I was feeling if I would have kept going into the darkness because that's what it was dark scary sad devastating, traumatic, I knew it wouldn't be a good ending, that I had to do the opposite, flip it around, and try to get into the hope, right? 
and doing all those Zoom meetings and phone calls and emails. And those, like I said at the beginning, those women who came on with me one-on-one, -on -one, your volunteers. Oh my God, I wish I could have hugged them, right? <laughs> I don't even know what to say right now, Jared. You've said so much. Like, I think your story is definitely going to be so impactful to our listeners because one thing that you said was you took a leap of faith and you walked in fear. And in essence, you were walking in fear alone because we're in the middle of COVID. We're all isolated and everything is over Zoom. The, the in-person connection isn't really there. You know what I mean? And something you also said that I wanted to just touch on, um, you're meditating and journaling and therapy. The, like, when did you start that? I've been doing it for a long time in my life because I'm mm -hmm. in some recovery. So I'm in a 12 step mm -hmm. program. So that's been a part of my life for a long time. So I had it already as a, as a basis, as a foundation. Okay. So when all of this happened, I just knew I had to lean into it more that I could scribble on my journal, how mm -hmm. scared I was, how mad I was at God, what's going on? Why are you doing this to me? Like I haven't had enough headaches in my life. What did I do to deserve this? Like all those things that flip around, were flipping around in my head, mm -hmm. you know? So all of those tools, that's what I call them. They've mm -hmm. been apart for a long time. And again, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's me not trying to sit on my couch thinking and figure things out, right? The actions of meditating, mm -hmm. I run, I try better to take care of myself physically, like all these things I do with my God, right? Mm, amen. Those are all things I do in faith, you know? I love that. So in essence, it's like alopecia, in essence, as we always say, it takes the control away from us, but we always have to try and find ways to regain our control and focusing on things that we can control, Correct. you know? Find the so, good, find the good, find the good. The blessings, right? Mm -hmm. there's, there's blessings in this. Who would think there's blessings in this? I never, ever thought at the beginning of this journey, I could count one blessing. Today, I have numerous blessings, numerous, including the fact here I am doing this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. that you girls have asked me to come and join you and share my journey. And hopefully it will help somebody, you know, and for anybody new, that's what I would say, like reach out, get out of yourself and just let this community envelop you and just like support you and encourage you. And, and all of these things that has been part of my journey. There's, there's also been, I've done a lot of grief work too, because that's what it's been. It's been a journey of grieving mm -hmm. who I used to be looking in the mirror to who I am today. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of that in my counseling and in my journaling as well, grieving the person I used to look at and see who's no longer there. And then coming to terms with the fact that she is there. It's just my hair. That's not there. Mm -hmm. It and just looks can, a little different. Yeah. yeah. And I can, you know, for a long time, when I started wearing the wig, that was December, 2022. So I'm a year and a half full-time wearing wigs. I didn't cut my biological hair. Well, we cut the ponytail, but I left this, this mess of, <laughs> it was really crazy looking because it was kind of like all one length and all receded, but I didn't want to let it go. Mm -hmm. And then in January, just this year, January, 2023, when I turned 60, I sat in that chair and I said, shave it off. <gasps> and that was super empowering. And then I saw the face I loved. Then I came back to myself, looking myself in the eyes, right? 
Now, I, haven't, I haven't ventured out my front door that way, but in my house and with some of my friends in my space, that's who I be, you know? That's a huge I want to get like you girls. I want to be shiny. Mine's all stubby and stuff, right? <laughs> I have to learn how to shave it nice and smooth because I can actually, I just about foresee myself at some point in this journey being like you girls and just like get rid of all this stuff because this too is expensive and I never knew this was such a this is a game this is a challenge what to do what not to do watch out for the oven don't go near the barbecue like it's just how to wash it how not to yep. wash it don't wash it too much don't use too much shampoo make sure you use enough shampoo that it, oh my gosh all of this has been such a learning curve but on the good side too when I started this, so I took the bangs off, I chopped the hair, I wore, I started the short wig. Mm -hmm. I had, I've had so many compliments on this. People are like, oh my God, I love your hair. I love your hair. I love your hair. And I give all the credit to my hairdresser because I found a wig hairdresser also in COVID, another earth angel that she wow. let me come in her salon with a mask on, mm -hmm. try on all these things. And her be able to just know my face and say, Doreen, that color's perfect. That style looks great on you. Lots of blessings. I've had a lot of earth angels in my life that have really helped and supported that. I could sit there and cry in that chair too, right? Mm -hmm. And little did I know, every time I get the same one, because I have four of them now, they all come out of the box different. That too is a challenge. Yes, they do. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was going to be an apple for an apple. No, no. Nope. That's more stress on top of stress. So the first one I got was perfect, needed nothing. The second one looked like a rat's nest. <laughs> My wig lady could cut it and thin it and get rid of the permities and style it and stuff. Like, thank gosh. And then I realized too that I don't want this to be a cookie cutter hairdo anyways, right? Yeah. I don't want it that I could mess it up. I could put a hairband on. I could put it behind my ears, you know? And it just made me think everybody, I became very aware that everyone's not looking at Doreen's hair. And I felt like they were with my wigs. Mm -hmm. They're not at all. They're not at all. And that's been a big comfort too. I just told one of my friends this week for no particular reason. At the beginning, I told a bunch of people for support and that was hard and emotional and they all have supported me. So there's a couple handfuls in my life that know my story. And at the beginning, I was going to tell everybody. I thought, I'm coming out. I'm just going to say it. And then I realized, no, because some of my friends, I felt like now they're they're carrying this burden too. You know, like it's a hard thing to know. It's And they watched me be sad and they watched me get depressed and they watched me, you know, not be my normal self. So I felt like I was affecting them emotionally in a way. Anyway, so that I stopped telling people and I just told one of my girlfriends just two weeks ago and her reaction was so beautiful and it just reiterated that everybody doesn't know. She was stunned. I've been wearing a wig for a year and a half, like just, and it just, it was this other validation that as paranoid as I can still be with this, cause I am. You know, there's always a level of paranoia and peeking in a mirror and, you know, that she just validated that nobody knows, Doreen, oh my God, we're all jealous of your cute little hair bands and your cute little haircut. And I just like that too has given me more courage, hey, who would think?
and I'm jogging in it and I'm cutting my grass in it. And I'm like, I, like, yeah, really, I'm in a really good place. I've been rocking this for quite a while now. Thank God. You have been rocking it, Doreen. You have been rocking it. <laughs> and I love that your friends are so supportive. It really does take a team, right? And just to hear that affirmation that like, you know, no one has noticed and is it kind of like relieves all those worries that you have inside. Yeah, so. because I was always thinking someone's looking at me sideways in a room. Someone's gawking or rubbernecking or something, you know, like always, it's just been this little pit in my stomach, right? Yeah. I'm going to switch the topic a little bit here. I was wondering about your work life as you developed alopecia. Did that create any challenges for you at work when you lost your hair? Have you experienced any stigma surrounding that? I hope not. So as I mentioned, the transition of going from my biological thin hair to the bangs, to the wig, all happened in COVID. I was working from home. Thank right. God. Thank God, because I don't know what I would have done except take a leave of absence. I can't, I can't even imagine, and kudos and credit to all the women who just go this way and that way and do it and walk back in an office or a job with something totally, you know, I'm not there yet. I've really still been trying to just look like it's my hair. So the job I had when this happened, when we finally went back in person, I was really nervous, like really nervous because they see me every day for eight hours. Everybody else in my life sees me here, sees me there, right? Those guys every day. So there was a huge level of paranoia. There was no stigma. There was no, nobody noticed, nobody said anything. Nobody rubbernecked me. It was just, again, my perception of what I thought was happening. And then I finally took one of the women aside who's my closest ally there. And I told her, and she did just what, exactly what my friend just did. Oh my God, Doreen, I'd never know. Nobody would ever know that. Oh my God. I... So then again, I had a little bit more courage at work. I was more brave. That's so good to hear. I'm really glad that that transition, even though it caused a lot of worries, ended up being very smooth. You have a good support network there, it sounds like too. And then I've changed jobs. Since then, I've changed jobs. And nobody knows there and nobody's asked and nobody's cared. And I'm just working now. I'm not, I'm way less paranoid. I'm way less nervous. I'm way less. Yeah. What was that experience like transitioning into a new job? Were you nervous even to apply for new jobs at that point? No, because that had nothing to do with alopecia. That had to do with my old job becoming very toxic. Okay. And I took a stress leave which was a wonderful thing to do, a self-care, self-love, six weeks of my time, which was yes. also helpful to all of this too. And again, with my God and my faith, I just had the courage to put a resume out there at the age of 60 and go figure. Doreen got a brand new job with a beautiful company who people really appreciate me and value me and don't bully me. So it's been a nice experience. That's wonderful. Wow. Something I wanted to ask you about being in the workplace as well, along the same lines, because you also had mentioned like you cut the grass and you do all these activities now for our listeners, what ways do you find to kind of dress up your, your wigs or your, your alopecia, like um, any advice? Cause I know some people just don't know how to embrace this new look. So do you have like tips and tricks on how you would, you know, play up a wig maybe with earrings, glasses, makeup, or, you know, like you'd mentioned headbands. Is there any other 
thing that you could offer um, our listeners in terms of how to play up your alopecia? Um, I do wear a lot of hairbands. Like this is a very short wig and stuff, but I still feel a hairband just kind of keeps it tucked. Like right. I never had a big hair check, right? So I don't want big hair. I got all the, oh my gosh, what do you call it? When you get them and they're all like really puffy. The ter- permities, like I've got most of that chopped out. Okay. Dresser took it out because I didn't want this kind of big do happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I go to work with makeup and earrings as I do. And I'm a matchy person, as you can see. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm grateful now to be in a place where I can, like I said, I jog in it and I run in it and I, and I garden and I do things like that. And, and I'm happy to play it down. So now I have mm-hmm. four wigs. They're all the same and they're all at different stages. And again, mm-hmm. nobody notices if I have wig one or week three on, they don't notice. I thought they would notice, but they don't, you know? So one of them's flatter now. One of them's really puffy that I would wear more if I want to dress up a bit or something. But, you know, it was more for me learning how to keep it still on my head because at the beginning it was very hard. You know, this is a Raquel Welch voltage and it says <laughs> it has like a, I don't know, a memory cap. Okay, well, that that doesn't work for me. Didn't matter where I put it, it moved. Right. So that was hard at the beginning too, trying to figure out how to keep it still. And your community, again, came through. I listened to all these people, what they use, what they don't use, try this, try that, don't do this, always do that. And again, it was a very personal choice. I have a friend who wears like one of the little nets. I tried that. It was like driving me nuts. I tried one of those big velvet bands. Yes, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, it made me like, what the heck? It felt like the wig was sticking off my forehead, right? Mm-hmm. because I have these are just basic caps you know I don't have I tried the lace cap that didn't work for me I just I like um it stays that's the best little $25 roll-on glue yes across my forehead and go boof, boof, and you're done. done I love <laughs> it as we know it's not water soluble and that caused me some panic but if I'm outside sweating as soon as the sweat stops I just push her back down and she re-sticks you know mm-hmm. And I like the rubber ones, the rubber. I use that, the rubber, I don't know, the head thing right around, you know, the silicone ones, the, yeah, yeah. It's definitely trial and error because alopecia is definitely not cookie cutter because there's so many different forms of alopecia. And then when it comes to, if you're going to wear a wig or if you're going to wear clip-ins or whatever, or hair fibers, it's definitely trial and error as to what works best for you. Yes. You know? So, and I didn't end up, I didn't end up going, I want to share this. I didn't end up going to the German to a dermatologist till last February. And I didn't think I was going to get a biopsy. So up until then I had self-diagnosed with that back day. Right. Yeah. And then I heard enough of you girls and I thought, okay, I'm going to go check out this. And I went to this dermatologist, beautiful lady in Dundas, and she wanted to do the biopsy. And I thought, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And I swallowed my pride and said, okay, do it. You know, she cut my head and stapled it, (laughs) which was traumatic too. Well, it was, right? You don't know until you live through it. Anyways, and I'm grateful I did because that's what I got diagnosed with, alopecia areata. And somehow when I heard those words, again, there was just a, there was just a bit of gratitude. There was a calmness. There was a relief because now I actually have a label that wasn't the label I thought I had. And I'm grateful now that this is what I do have because it's not a scarring thing. It's not going to fall right away yet. It might, as we know, it's changeable and it could do anything still, but it's only been a year that I've actually had 
the right diagnosis. And she offered all those treatments too. And I said, thank you, but no, thank you. I'll just keep doing this in solution. That I know works right now. This works perfectly for me. Yeah, I, I didn't get a biopsy until maybe, I don't know, almost 20 years later. And that's when I, that's when I was diagnosed with scarring alopecia. And of course, leave it to me to have one of the rarest forms. Cause when I tell people what it is, nobody knows what it is. It's such a, it affects such a small percentage of the population. Right. But like you, when you finally have a word to put with what's going on with you, it's a sense of relief because now you know how to move forward. And now you can pick, choose and refuse whether or not you're going to do treatments, whether or not you're going to do steroid injections or whether or not you're just going to say, you know what, I'm okay. And now I'm going to figure this out my way. And that's another way that you're taking control back, right? Oh yeah. It's very empowering. That's what I found. Mm-hmm. It was very empowering. And, the, and that, that point, that pivotal point where I decided, okay, I've doomed and gloomed and cried enough mm-hmm. and I didn't want to keep going down that dark place that I need to switch it up and live in solution, live in hope, have courage, grow in my faith, and just try to rock this the best I can so that it doesn't take me out, whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually, it was taking me out, right? And my whole demeanor had changed. And then I felt sorry for my friends and family too, because they watched me just become, you know, I wasn't exercising, I was overeating, blah, 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 right? And now I'm back on the other side of like, living my best life to the best of my ability. Yes. To living your best life. Okay. (laughs) Right. Feeling proud about it today instead of embarrassed or ashamed. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now that you're kind of on that other side, would you say there's a silver lining to all of this? If there is, what would that be? Any positives to having alopecia that you would like to shout out? Mm, I would say the fact that I've made And I'm now involved in a new community with new people and have new friends has been a huge thing, a huge thing. It's another open door with a whole different uh, community of people like that in itself spoke volumes to me. It's opened up my world in a new way and it's opened up my eyes and my heart in a new way to feel and have compassion and understanding for people who deal with this. Because I've met enough of them already who are at the beginning of their journeys. And it's just, I feel that pain, right? To identify with. And that if I can help them, and I do on the meeting, stick a phone number in the chat. And sometimes I get a call and sometimes I don't. Or being able to do this with you girls, if it helps anybody, that's our purpose in life, right? To help other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're so glad that you found this community because now we can talk to you and have someone else to share our experiences with and you can provide so much goodness to others. Just hearing your story has like been a whole, whole journey for me right now. (laughs) And I'm sure Crystal and Lauren feel the same way. Like it's been smiles, it's been laughs, but it's also been tears and just so many emotions that are so true to what we go through. Doreen, I just want to say thank you so much for being so open and vulnerable and honest. And, you know, if you could give one piece of advice to our listeners that are going through something similar, what would that be? Reach out. You can't do it alone. You think you can, but I don't think you can. I think the being in part of the community and the oneness and the 
and the size of it and the support and validation and encouragement, just reaching out changed my journey 100%. And that is reaching out to the Canaf people, to the alopecia people, right? That's what I'm saying, to reach out to the people who are walking in the same shoes. It's made an entire different experience for me immensely. That is excellent advice. It's been mm. such a blessing instead of being at home in the darkness, trying to Google my way out of it. It was horrible. It was scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Google is. Thank, God, thank God for Zoom. Thank God all you girls are on Zoom and those meetings are in Zoom and I can sit in the comfort of my house and just zip on and zip off and have those beautiful hours of meetings with all the positive stuff and see the faces and share the tears and be real. Like you said, be vulnerable and not be ashamed. I have no shame of crying or being sad or being in despair because that's where I was until I wasn't, right? It's part of who I be and who I, what I've had to experience to get to this side and to be in the light. Gotta feel it to heal it. That I know it's is true. a fact in my life. You must feel it to heal it. I can't go over it, around it, under it, or ignore it. I must go right in the middle of it to come out the other side to let that pain heal. Feel it to heal it. I love that. I've already <laughs> written it down. Yeah, uh, me too. I'm writing it down. And I'll let you use it. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking us through your whole process, Doreen. It's, it's amazing to hear your story. I appreciate the invitation. I really do. Like I said, I never in my wildest dreams when this started that I ever think I would be sharing my journey to help somebody. And I know it will help people as it's helped me to sit here and relive it and go through it because I hadn't thought about the whole thing for a long time. And it's only five years, but there's a lot of stuff that went on. And it's a good reminder to me to how far I've come. Absolutely. Our trials are usually our testimonies. 100% here, here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And on that note, thank you so much, Doreen, for being our special guest. I appreciate being asked. It's been beautiful. It's been really nice. It's been a lovely hour spent with you girls and really nice to see your faces too while you're doing it. It's been beautiful. Yay. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This has been wonderful. Thanks for listening to this episode of Alopecia's Audacity, proudly hosted by Canaf. If you enjoyed it or learned something new, please rate us five stars on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you might listen to your podcasts. Keep up with us by following our Instagram and Facebook and subscribing to our YouTube channel at Alopecia's Audacity. We welcome any questions and comments, which can be sent to alopeciasaudacity at canaf.org. You can also sign up for our mailing list at www.canaf.org. Thank you.